Cardinals fans, welcome to episode 4.0 of the Pitchers Hit 8th podcast. My name is Nick from PitchersHit8th.com, and once again, I've decided to let Josh join in on the fun. Josh, say hello. Uh, you, you let me out today. I'm, I'm so, so happy. <laughs> I know. That sounds so mean, doesn't it? Like I'm doing you favors. That's okay. I like it. I, I enjoy being able to join in on the fun. Good, good. Next time, maybe you can invite me along for the podcast. Well, I'll have to see what I can do. It's, I'll have to check my schedule. Very good. Our guest today, the esteemed Kevin Goldstein from BaseballProspectus.com. We're going to talk to Kevin about the recently completed Major League Baseball first-year player draft, uh, specifically talk about Colton Wong a little bit, the uh, first-round pick of the Cardinals. Then we're going to get into the current Cardinals minor league system. We'll talk about, obviously, Shelby Miller. Talk a little bit about Matt Adams, a guy who uh, Kevin and I had a discussion about while watching Adams at Quad Cities last year, uh, or playing for Quad Cities at Kane County last year. Um, And then just some general discussion about players within the system. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about international signings. That uh, that date is fast approaching on July 2nd. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking to Kevin, Josh. Oh, we did. It was, uh, it was, it was nice to get another perspective. You know, we've talked to... And a relatively unbiased... Not, not even relatively, an unbiased one. Oh yeah, he's he's not a he's not a Cardinals fan. He just happens to as evidenced by yeah. his comments about Zach Cox. Exactly, exactly. So you know he was he was very honest with us about the good and the bad, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, with that, let's uh, well let's announce uh, once again our musical guest this week, Star Off Machine. Stoffma, if you will. You can follow him on Twitter, S-T-O-F-M-A. Uh, those guys have been providing us some music for the shows, uh, the fade-ins, fade-outs, and the breaks. And so we really appreciate them and giving us some music to break things up a little bit. And uh, Josh, what do you say? Let's take a break. So you'll be listening to Stoffma a little bit more. And then when we come back, we'll have Kevin Goldstein from Baseball Prospectus. We're joined currently by Kevin Goldstein from BaseballProspectus.com. Uh, Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to do it. We had a chance to talk with Kevin just a few minutes uh, before we started recording here and uh, explained to him that at Pitchers at 8th, we're, we're not exactly the future Redbirds of the Cardinals blogosphere, but we are interested in the guys that the Cardinals have drafted uh, and, and as well as the prospects coming up through the system who... We're starting to get a little bit more excited about. Uh, Kevin, first of all, the most recent events uh, with the Cardinals draft. Again, I don't have a wide breadth of knowledge on who they took. I know they took Colton Wong in the first round. 
Uh, I know that they got Colby Rasmus's little brother in the late rounds, which is probably <laughs> a, a, <laughs> kind of a uh, favor pick. Um, but let's talk a little bit just about Wong to start with. I've seen comparisons ranging as wide as Fernando Vina to Carlos Baerga. What do you see in this guy? I, yeah, I don't know if I hate either of those comps. And he's, he's going to be, I like him. I'm, I'm actually a big Colton Wong fan. I, I thought he was a good pick for the Cardinals at 22. Um, you know, there's some thought he might go a little higher. Some thought he might go a little lower. I think in the end, I mean, he, that's right where he's supposed to go. People talked about him going somewhere between 18 and 25. That's pretty much the mid range for it. You know, he's not the, the sexiest guy in the world on a scouting level. You know, he's five, nine, maybe five, 10. Uh, you know what he can really do though is hit, uh, you know, and that's what matters. And the kid can just hit. He's got great hands and just got a feel for barreling up baseballs. And that's, what's important. I think he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit all the way up. I don't think he's going to take a ton of time in the minors. He's never going to be a big power guy. He's never going to be a gold glove winner at second, but he's good enough there. He's not going to be some burner, but he's fast enough. We can maybe steal a handful of bases there and here and there. But he's going to slice line drives all over the place. He's going to be a really nice number two hitter in my mind. That's kind of what he projects as. And, you know, I thought he went where he belonged. I thought he was a good pick for the Cardinals. I think you'll, I think Cardinals fans will end up really liking the guy too. I mean, he, he's a very much a, a high energy, high spirit kind of player as well. Would you say, in saying that, then would you say that uh, he is scrappy? I hate scrappy. I hate scrappy, <laughs> and I hate gritty. Um, but those are Cardinals I, fans' two most favorite things. Well, I'm about to, to really piss off Cardinals fans then, because I think those are words that I'm very uncomfortable with those words, because I think they're only assigned to white players, and I think they're only assigned to white small players. I, I mean, and if you don't like what I'm saying, I want you to show me the last black guy you saw do someone called Gritty. <laughs> you know, and it just doesn't happen. It's a bunch of crap. And you know, gr- and that's the, Gritty and Scrappy basically say he plays hard. He's better because he plays hard because he's not really that good an athlete. It, it, it's kind of insulting to both him and to athletes. And it, it's it's that's a, a term I've never liked. I've always hated. But I mean. Does makeup matter? Hell yeah, it matters. Yeah. Help, you know, makeup matters a ton. And, you know, hard workers matter, and he's just that. And, uh, you know, he's not, I don't know if he's gritty. Maybe he's gritty by your definition. Maybe he's gutsy and <laughs> scrappy and then scrappy do and all that crap. Uh, but he's a good pl- baseball player, and that's what the most important thing is. You know, no one really cared if Barry Bonds was scrappy. Sure. Because he, he had so much talent. And, uh, you know, it's, look, he's a really good baseball player. I don't really care how, how gritty he is. <laughs> I find it interesting that you mentioned that you, you're not, you don't have a problem with either the Bayerga or the Vina comps because I kind of thought the same thing, and I realized that... That's a wide range, though. It's, a, those, it's those definitely a wide range. Players. But my point being that obviously folks expect a lot out of first-round picks, and, and I think you know that's fair to an extent, but with the rate that baseball draft picks fail and just completely flop out of baseball altogether. And maybe this is more of a commentary on the Cardinals second base situation in recent years. But (laughs) when I look back, Fernando Vina is one of the better second basemen that the Cardinals have had since Tony LaRusser has arrived. So if he turns out to be Fernando Vina, I don't think that's awful. It's not awful at all. And, and you know, I, I think people, I mean, you, you talked about how the draft can be a little more riskier. And it's just, it's only risky in comparison to things like the football and the basketball draft that, that people, you know, if you are a football or basketball fan and you watch your football or basketball team take some guy in the first round, especially in football, you know, if they team, if they, if you 
your favorite football team took a safety in the first round. That guy's your starting safety next year. You know, that guy's expected to make an impact for your for that team this year. And, you know, the, the proving ground of the minor leagues is this great separator and this great thing that makes it take a while. You know, and, and maybe guys show up and maybe they don't. But the thing you got to remember is that first round picks are where the stars come from. And, yes, tons of guys completely fall off the map and never heard from again. But at the same time, you know, when you're getting ready to watch the All-Star game next month or you take a look at the MVP ballot at the end of the year, it's nothing but first-round picks. There's so few guys who are not first-round <laughs> picks. You know, in the international signings, let's just talk about 22. Um, you know, Colton Wong was the 22nd pick in the draft. I mean, if Colton Wong is better than Craig Reynolds, who was a, you know, a second baseman and a, and a shortstop during the 80s, who played in, in 1,500 games, and had a you know a lifetime 256 hitter with a 636 ops. If he's better than Craig Reynolds, he's the fourth best 22nd overall pick as a hitter in the history of baseball. <laughs> well, that's I mean wow. that that's what you got to remember. I mean the 22nd picks who are great 22nd picks: Craig Biggio, Rafael Palmero, Chet Lemon, Jason Worth. As far as hitters go, that's it. We're done. We're that's the list. You know the rest is is Tom Goodwin and Dave Anderson and Lee Stevens and. And then guys you've never heard of, you, can, you know, guys who've never made it you know, at all. Charles Peterson and, and Robert Boyce and, and Chuck Kiesler and guys who didn't even get to the big leagues. And, and Terry Francona was a 22nd overall pick, actually. So you kind of set your expectations. And the stars really at times often only come from the single digit picks. And if you get an everyday player at 22, that's a good pick. Yeah. Perspective is required when you're talking about the massive number of players that are taken in the draft altogether. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to make more people mad here. Uh, you know, like during the draft and just being on Twitter, is just Twitter's an inherently stupid thing anyway, which is why I love it so much. <laughs> But I agree. I adore Twitter, but it's dumb, and that's why I like it. But, like, on day three of the draft, day three, and there's people tweeting, like, you know, oh, I really love this guy we just got in the 45th round. Really? You love him? You think that's the, that's your guy? I mean, that's a 45th round pick. Chances are he's not going to sign. And chances of him even getting close to the big leagues are so remote it's a joke, but that's the guy you love. And, and you just saw it constantly. Oh, the, look at this guy we took in the 43rd round. He can run. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you do have to – you need a perspective. I and mean, if, you, if you – I mean, look, the draft is 50 rounds. If out of this the Cardinals get an everyday player, a guy who can be on your pitching staff all year, a bench guy and an extra arm, that's actually a really good draft. No, you make a good point, and uh... – the other thing I keep looking at with the 22nd pick or just the way kind of the, the Cardinals have seemed to draft collegiate players here lately, do you think there's too much put into some of the extra, the summer leagues, the Cape Cod League, Alaska, all those different things? Just because they play with the wood bat, does that really up the stakes that much? Due to it the sure does. Absolutely, it does. Uh, it's really important to see kids with wood bats, and then and the summer leagues are really important because they play with wood bats, and uh, those metal bats can create so many bad habits and so many bad, great hitters. You know, there's a there's a, and this is why I hate. You know, I don't I don't think translating or, or worrying too much about college numbers is really a good idea. It's a better idea now that we have the the better bats. That those bats still aren't perfect, and those bats are deadened 
but they're deadened across the board. It's, you, the, the bats, the sweet spot on a metal bat still is, you know, about six inches above your hands into the bat. And so you, know, you end up in this position where you see plenty of players put up huge numbers in college and, and it's, it's my job to say, you know what? He's really not very good. And people go, Oh, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not really. He's a college player. He's a college hitter. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you see these guys up and down all the time. And there's been players. I remember people getting totally worked up about a guy named Jeremy Cleveland. This was years ago. Jeremy Cleveland was at North Carolina. And this was, like, you know, the ACC is one of the best conferences in college baseball. And tons of players, including future stars, got drafted ahead of Jeremy Cleveland. Jeremy Cleveland won the Triple Crown, I believe. Um, and you know, he was like a six round pick, never got past double A because it was a metal bat swing. You know, he did home runs off the end of the bat, he did home runs off his hands, and he got to the big leagues and he did fly balls off the end of the bat and pop ups off his hands. And so, you do need it's great that Cape Cod League is huge, and guys can make or break it at the Cape Cod League because you get to see them hit with wood and you get to see how they work with wood on pitches inside and pitches in different locations. It's, it's a very important kind of scouting data point for, for looking at kids. I imagine it's easy to be an idiot one day and a genius the next in the business here in Kevin. I'm always a genius. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I look, of course it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is, this is an imperfect science, but it's why I love it. You know, it's not, I think once you start looking at, you know, doing something like high end statistical work, like maybe like someone like Colin here at baseball prospectus does that's not an imperfect science. It's kind of a perfect science. You're trying to figure out exactly what things are. I like my little world of BS and, and magic and unicorns. <laughs> I like this. I want to look at kids and go, I think that kid might be good. And I think that kid might not. And, and talk to scouts about that kind of stuff. I like the, the, in, the uncertainty and I like the, the kind of predicting aspect of it, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are plenty of players who've made me look really good and there are plenty of players who've made me look like a total moron and it's going to happen all the time. Let's talk about one guy in the Cardinal system that's made a lot of people look like geniuses so far. A, a guy that I know that, that you love, a guy that I know that I love, uh, Shelby Miller. Oh, I was going to say, you shouldn't like I say Zach Cox here. Um, <laughs> I mean, Miller's been great. And I, you know, it's funny because I think, obviously, it's, uh, it's Wednesday, and I think everyone saw what Shelby Miller did last night, Tuesday, of the eight shutout innings and what was his best double-A start so far since, since going up there a little bit ago. Um, you know, I don't know what to say other than he's fantastic. I've seen that guy more than any national minor league writer in the world. And I don't know what it was, but last year there was some sort of magic going on or, or curse. But if I went to see Quad City, Shelby Miller pitched. <laughs> and it wasn't planned. It wasn't like – and it wasn't – maybe like two – only two of them were planned. Every other time it was just, I'm just going to go to the game tonight, right? It was just that. And Shelby Miller, I saw Shelby Miller pitch five times last year, including the crazy playoff start where he struck out like seven, like fifteen in seven innings. Um, and you can you can you can be guilty of seeing a guy too much at times, but I really liked him. I mean, I, I didn't know what there wasn't to like. Um, you know, classic power pitcher frame, ninety five miles an hour, big curveball, works quickly and aggressively, and and clearly has a lot of confidence in what he does and and. I, I just adored him. I thought he was great. And, you know, there was some talk of him starting the year this year at AA. Um, and they, they chose not to. They started to they started him in the Florida State League, which proved to be uh, a level that he was more than ready for, obviously. obviously yeah, right. Yeah, he struck out, uh, I, don't remember, I don't have the numbers in front of me, he struck out 795 guys in 12 innings and, and moved up to AA and is continuing to pitch really well there. And you start to say to yourself, you know, are we in a position where this guy can 
more quickly get to the big leagues than we expected. And I, mean, I do think he's going to get a very long look in you know, next spring for a real job. You know, I don't think it'll be immediately an opening day, but I think it could come pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, if he starts dominating double A, I mean, look, guys, it's only June 16th. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, the one question I get the most, and, and it's by far the most annoying question is, hey, when's this guy going to be in the big leagues? <laughs> and that applies to any of this guy. Oh, hang on. Hey, when's Bryce- Let me scratch that one off the list then. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you, but you know that. <laughs> yeah. when's Bryce Harper going to be in the big leagues? When's Mike Trout going to be in the big leagues? When's Shelby Miller going to be in the big leagues? And, and a variation of that that you get a million times a day is, are we going to see Mike Trout this year? Are we going to see Bryce Harper this year? Are we going to see Shelby Miller this year? And you know, I think I've spent probably the last you know, the first 10 weeks of the season or so saying, you're not going to see Shelby Miller this year. Stop it. And, and now here we are. And it's June 16th, and it's double A. And he's absolutely killing it. Maybe we are going to see Shelby Miller this year. I'd still bet against it, but I'm not going to say no when you're an idiot for asking me anymore. Well, one of the most fascinating things to me has been, and maybe you can more eloquently explain to the handful of folks listening to this um, exactly the differences, but one of the most fascinating things for me in Miller's ascent this just this season, even because I saw him at Quad Cities or, or at Kane County actually last year. Um, you're well, why didn't you come say hi? I did. Oh, you're that guy. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna get to that. Sweet. <laughs> I, I was nice to you, right? Very, very good. More than you needed to be. So Shelby Miller last year was just mowing down everybody with the fastball. I mean, I, the game that you and I were both at at Kane County, I think he threw his breaking ball maybe ten times, um, at least from my untrained eye. That wasn't the playoff game, was it? No. Yeah, okay. No, earlier in the season. It was hot. Hot as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year they start him in the Florida State League, and he, and he just mows everybody down there. The difference in talent, uh, hitters, uh, ballparks from the Florida State League to the Texas League represents such a massive jump, in my opinion, uh, from Florida State League to Texas League. And he's, he's not missed a beat. It's been absolutely dumbfounding to me that he's immediately started with such success. Uh, it is the biggest jump in the minors. You know, it's the second biggest jump in all of baseball. The biggest jump in baseball, of course, is any level. I don't care which one to the big leagues. And that is, you know, way bigger, you know, five times bigger than any other jump. But the biggest jump in the minors is always whatever level to double A. And, and normally there are adjustment periods, but when you're Shelby Miller, good is good. And, and he's good. And when you're talking about a guy who actually, you know, I actually looked up the numbers, he struck out you know, a crazy strikeout rate. And, and, you know, obviously they're, you know, he had an ERA almost three, but that the ERAs are, are weird in the minors. I don't really worry about that. He had 81 strikeouts in 53 innings. I, I'm pretty sure that guy can miss some bats at double A too. Yeah. You know, and that's, so that's what we're seeing. And, and so I'm not overly surprised. And, you know, you talked about that start that, that we were both at, uh, you know, when you saw him in, in the future, when you saw him down the road, when you saw him in that playoff game, the breaking ball was, was a very important part of his arsenal. Okay. Um, and that's been one of the, the maturities as well as the development of a changeup, which obviously he's going to need in the big leagues. Well, and I think that's a good point, too, because the start that you and I were both at, that we watched, 
or, or as I was watching, and he's throwing fastball, fastball, fastball. He eventually got to the point, and I think I, I think I remember you you actually mentioning this to me, that all of his starts to that point had been the same. That he eventually got to the fourth or fifth inning, and just lost all of his control. He just got gassed, couldn't find the plate, got frustrated with himself, whatever the case may be, and that's what happened at that game. Just got all over the place, walked a few guys, and that was kind of it for him. So maturity, uh, arm strength, just more used to throwing that many pitches every start, or, or what is, what's what's been the difference there? Got better. Okay. You know, I mean, it's that simple. I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, we can talk about any anything. I mean, developments of prospects is about making prospects get better to the point where they're good enough to play in the big leagues. He's better. And a key part is what we talked about, which is him finding these other pitches to go to. Because if he just throws fastballs and that's where things start to happen, and we saw it all the time. I and mean, you'd see Shelby Moyd be great and by the fourth inning, he'd start elevating and, and lose the lose the zone and, and, and things bad things happen. Um, at the same time, that was his first full season. Uh, he was still learning how to be a professional. He was still learning how to live away from his parents. I mean, anything like that. Sure. There's all sorts of horrible adjustments that people don't talk about. Um, and now I think you know, there's obviously more of a comfort zone when you come to camp this year and none of it's new. You know what I mean? I mean, last year he went to, he went to spring training and it was new. It was his first spring training. Right. He, went, he, he, came, he went to Quad Cities and that was his first you know, full season team, his first kind of full year of experience in the big league. Everything was new. There's a comfort level when you, you know what you're doing, you know what to expect now. And you know what you're supposed to get. But there's also, I mean, don't forget, other than pitching every five days, he's working with coaches. And he's yeah. working with professional, really, really good coaches, professional baseball coaches. I was coaches. just going to say, hopefully better yeah. coaches than in high school, right? <laughs> right, right. And they're, they're, and they're teaching him how to throw a breaking ball. And they're forcing him to throw a breaking ball. You know, and that's the other thing. You start, you get to the point where, you know, late in the year, he's, you know, the catcher's dictated to throw two fingers down. You know, you're not allowed to throw your fastball here. Um and so he's, and so that got better, and you get more confidence in your pitches. And I think he just is a better pitcher, obviously now, and throwing more strikes and things like that. And and this is what happens: you get these guys. This is what you do: you draft a guy who's big and throws hard and has some idea how to spin a baseball, and then you hope you can teach him how to be a baseball player. And that's what's happened with Shelby Miller. Um, one more quick item, because I know Josh is chomping at the bit. He's got a lot of stuff for you. But since <laughs> since uh, we got into the game that you and I were both at in Kane County. Uh, and you were so gracious in, uh, in even after I had, I think I had dogged you because I was sitting down in the sun and you were up in the shade with, uh, with the other scouts or whatever, but, <laughs> uh, I came by, we talked for 10 or 15 minutes and I asked you because obviously I was there to see Shelby and I think you were specifically there to see Shelby, but I asked you who else on the quad cities roster at the time was a guy to watch because I, was unfamiliar with pretty much everybody other than Miller. And you pointed out, I think he happened to be standing on deck at the time, and he said, look at this horse, Matt Adams. <laughs> and I and yet, and yet I don't think I put, I'm almost sure, bring him back, I'm almost positive I didn't put him in my top 20. Well, I, you know, and he's one of those guys that I'm not sure anybody did. But What do you do with that? But another guy who moves up to the Texas League and, all the guy does is hit. I mean, he's he's another guy in the Cardinals organization whose position is bat. Mm-hmm. Being that being the case, he's in the Cardinals organization. His position is bat. My question for you is, can he play second base? <laughs> You're probably about as well as Zach Cox. Oh, oh. Um, 
Good thing that Cox is a third baseman then, right? Are we talking about Zach Cox later at some point? <laughs> yes, we are. I can save all my Zach Cox. <laughs> um, I mean, so, okay, so. Yeah, so I, know, I, just, just paused, right? I know, I know. The question is Matt Adams, WTF. I understand. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. But God, can he hit? And and he's, you know, I you talk to scouts and they don't know. I mean, he's one of those guys. Where, you know, obviously I'm not, you know, look, I know I'm not a professional scout and I write what professional scouts tell me and things like that. But you talk to, to, to guys in the business about Matt Adams and, and they will have an uncomfortable pause just like I did. You know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he can hit, you know, and he's also 280. Well, yeah. 285. And, and, and it's, it's a weird approach in the sense that, you know, obviously when you see like this, a 285 pound guy who, you know, hits tons of home runs. You expect him to kind of walk a lot. And Matt Adams goes goes up there and just goes, well, I don't know what you're throwing, but I'm swinging. And then, <laughs> and he, then he hit 350. He's a strange guy to wrap your head around. And I'm not sure what to make of it yet, other than at least things are going in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if the knock on Brett Wallace was, wow, look at the trunk on that guy. He's huge. I mean, what do you say about Matt Adams for crying out loud? Oh man, yeah, Matt Adams looks like, makes Brett Wallace look like uh, like <laughs> Dustin Pedroia. Um, I mean, I, I mean, you got to understand. I mean, I, maybe there's, if you did a Google search, you'd find something. I don't know, but the guy really is probably two eighty, two eighty five. You know, and and he's big and he's slow and and he hits balls really far and it's it's very weird. It's very strange, and all these guys can do. If you're Matt Adams, just keep doing it. Because if you keep doing that, at some point they got to put you triple A, right? And and so and so when that and that happens, and then if you keep doing it, at some point they got to give you a shot in the big leagues. He's not in the best system in the world if you're a first baseman, obviously. Or maybe he is. We don't know, of course, what's going to happen <laughs> right. in the offseason. But um, yeah, I still think that's not going to change. And but at some point he's going to get. If he keeps it, the rule is if these prospects that. You know, all the prospect people, and then we all dump on and go, oh, he's kind of a fat, bad only guy, and he doesn't walk. Um, if he keeps hitting, he's going to get his shot. And at no point will will, will Jeff Leno or, or, or anyone on your team go, well, Goldstein thinks he's fat, I'm not going to give him a shot. They don't care. And so <laughs> he's a strange guy. He's a really strange guy to, to kind of wrap your head around because there's not a lot of things like him. Well, Kevin, that actually works out, you know, perfectly. Uh for where I wanted to go. It's not in the Zach Cox direction just yet. Uh, I want to know what happened to Brian Anderson and, and how he just fell off the face of the earth as far as prospects go. Well, he stopped hitting. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not your simple answer. He, he kind of, I thought Brian Anderson was always a little overhyped as a prospect. It's maybe what I'm going for. Yeah, just I did this, too. You know, and just in the sense that, you know, people saw this guy with a high batting average. And they would go, oh, man, look at that guy. He's got a high batting average. and He's a catcher. What a great combination. And sure it is. And, and you know, any carbon-based life form who's catching and hitting a little bit is a really nice thing. But there was really always kind of an approach problem. You know, there was never any – he was always this guy who would hit 290 and it was an empty 290. You know, there wasn't a lot of power behind it, not a lot of walks behind it. And his defense was always just kind of there. Um, you know, he was, he, was, he was okay. And at some point, a lot of these prospects were kind of mid-range. 
they kind of end up stagnating where you get in this position where they're not in the big leagues. They're at, back at AAA for, you know, whatever season he's on right now. I mean, how many years has he been at Memphis now? Four? Yeah, three or four at least. He's... Right. And they start to stagnate a little bit. And 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 I think that's that might be the kind of thing that that's happening with Anderson. Obviously, he's not having a good year. I know he's had some health issues as well, but it's it's, it's really tough. He's a guy who can make contact. He's a guy who can flick the bat out there and, and make contact. But he's never been a power guy. He's never been a walk guy. He's never been a plus defender. So it's a weird profile. Um, you know, you get if you're not good enough to be an everyday catcher, you have to be a good defender. You know, it's it's very rare do you see an offense first backup catcher. Backup catchers are guys who can play the position, and so it's you end up in these weird profiles. And he's always been a guy with a weird profile. No, that 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 does make sense, and that was kind of uh, I I don't know. I guess I just kind of expect him, if not this summer, then to be since he didn't even get the call up here when the Cardinals did need a <laughs> actually needed a catcher, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you do get and you do you know the other thing is the stuff that that you don't know and I don't know and we can never know, where you do start to wonder stuff like it you know is he in someone's doghouse, um, and you know I I don't think there are a lot of doghouses that are big enough to keep a guy out of the big leagues, but they are big enough to keep a guy out if there's maybe a better option somewhere and the guy's not having a good year. You know what I mean? And that's been the case with Anderson. Anderson, you know, he's hitting two twenty two, and it it's. It's tough, and and you know you're in this position where, and you also say to yourself, well, why didn't we call on him before if we needed someone? The guy's in his fourth year at AAA. What what are we doing here? He's 25 years old. Uh, it's I, I do think he's kind of stuck right now. It it sounds kind of like they just they fell in love with him when he was 21 years old, and they rushed him through, and you know all of a sudden he's a guy that you're looking at, wondering. Can he play another position? And obviously, well, he can't. And <laughs> right, and then you're <laughs> right, but then you're stuck. You're also in this position where you know we talked about development earlier, and you get excited. Maybe I, you know, I think there's probably good reason to get excited about when he was 21. And you know what? He still needed to get better, and he didn't get better. Bryce Harper needs to get better. Steven Strasburg needs to get better. You know, everyone, every prospect, you know, from Brian Anderson to, to whoever you think is the best prospect. I and mean, we saw. You know, the Braves call up Julio Tehran, who I still think is the best pitching prospect in baseball. And they called him up for a couple of big league starts, and he, he's, he's scuffled. You know what? He needs to get better. And and it's, that's what it's about. He hasn't really gotten better. Well, that's uh, one of the guys, kind of what we had mentioned earlier. I was curious your thoughts on last year's first-rounder, Zach Cox, and if he's going to get any better. I never liked him. <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> I never got it. I didn't get the love of him in college. I never got why anyone would give him a big league deal out of college. Um, you know, I. it's funny because obviously Cox, you know, fell a lot farther than people thought he would in the 2010 draft. I thought he went probably about where he belonged, you know, and that was the thing. And then he gets all this money in a big league deal. I don't know how you give that guy a big league deal. That is not, and I, you know, I'm going to become like the anti-stat head here for a second. You do not give a player with that body a big league deal. And that's just a basic rule. I mean, it, 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 it's very simple. Athletes become great players. And, you know, this guy, what can he do? He can hit. I have no, absolutely no question about that. That guy can put a bat in a ball. God bless him. He can hit. And he's got an okay approach, And he, but he doesn't have much power. And 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 
you know, I heard I was like, oh, you know, his home runs as a sophomore, and then he changed his swing. No, that's great. That was at Arkansas with metal bats. He just doesn't have much power. He's not a big guy. There's not a lot of updraft in his swing. There's no loft or back swim. And he's not a power hitter. He's And then, well, maybe he'd fit at second base. No. He's not a second <laughs> baseman either. Because the second basemans have to be athletes and athletic, and he's not athletic. He's got, you know, he's kind of a thick, dumpy guy. Uh, and, and so... He's a third baseman. He's not a horrible third baseman. He's an okay third baseman. He can play the position. He's an acceptable third baseman. So now you have a third, an acceptable third baseman who I think can hit for average, get on base. Those are wonderful things. And now we're done talking about him. That's not a horrible player. But I don't know why you give that guy a big league deal or why you get excited about you know, someone, a situation where you give that guy the kind of money they gave him. Well, kind of hoping that the reason they gave him that kind of money, I mean – to get him signed, obviously for one, but to kind of look at the Brett, the Brett Wallace model is what the Cardinals seem to do and draft these guys that can hit. They don't really fit, especially national league style and then flip them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know unless he goes on a tear this summer as well. Is he a guy that you could see possibly making it up to Memphis before the end of the year? I, why he's going to have to earn it. He's hitting 250 right now, right? I mean, oh, yeah, he's not, he's, He's at double A. He's hitting two fifties. Now he can't go there unless he, he earns it. Well, the only other question that I have for you, Kevin, I know Nick is uh, patiently waiting. Uh, there's a couple of guys that I don't know. They kind of flew under the radar. One guy for you know for certain for me, the Cardinals have this thing where they've been taking college relievers and instead of i guess what they call stretching them out a little bit they're actually having remarkable uh at least you know starts to their minor league careers do you actually see joe kelly making it to the majors absolutely yeah i think joe kelly's a big league arm i think he's going to be a a pretty good reliever in the big leagues. <laughs> um, and I like Joe Kelly. I saw, I saw Joe Kelly pitch a lot uh, last year. I've seen, and I've talked to a lot of people who've seen him pitch this year. And uh, I do think you got to give him some outside chance to start, you know. Um, but I think when you just watch him do what he does, it just looks like a reliever, you know. And, and maybe I've just been doing this a long enough time. And it's obviously the scouts I talked to have been doing this for a long enough time. Well, you know what a reliever looks like. You know what? He looks like a reliever. He, you don't move him there until you have to. I mean, and as long as you're having success as a starter, and obviously he's had success as a starter, I don't think there's any need to say, oh, screw it, he's a reliever, and we'll put him in the bullpen. But you know what he does, which has obviously worked very well at times, obviously he's still inconsistent as hell, uh, but it's worked well at times at both uh, you know, the Midwest League and the Florida State League. You see the fastball. The fastball's really good, uh, and it's good in terms of both velocity and movement. And so you have that. And then he has the slider, which I really like. And, I'll, and you just say to yourself, and then you, but those are the pitches you like. And you say to yourself, you know, if you just, you know, threw him out there for two innings and said, just pump it. You know, no, no, you're pacing anyway. Just go out there, let it fly, and you'll be in the mid-90s all day, and you'll have the slider. What a nice reliever you'd be. Um, but you'll give him time to figure out as a starter, because, of course, starters are more valuable. But, no, I like Joe Kelly. I like him plenty. You know, and, and I do think he's a big leaguer, but I still think he's a reliever. You know, and I think the same goes for a guy who I saw pitch this year in Jordan Swaggerty, who's been great as a starter. I know you watch him, you know what? I say to myself, ah, it looks like a reliever. Mm. Well, that 
Did you see him at the Quad Cities, or did you see him down in Florida? Uh, I, I saw him in the Midwest League, and, and I saw a really good fastball, and I saw a, a, a pretty good breaking ball, and I saw those two pitches. You know, and, and, and I've talked to other people, and I've talked to people who've seen him since he's moved up, and it's still very much him focusing on just these two pitches. And I think you've seen uh, the lack of depth in his arsenal has led to him missing far fewer bats in the Florida State League. Uh, and so, and he needs to, and leading to him needing to get a little more clever. Uh, and instead of getting more clever, I think you'll just see him end up having to move to the bullpen. Again, much like Joe Kelly. Don't do it now. There's no need to do it now. But it's just where I think he's going to end up. If either of those guys turns out to be a four or five starter in the big leagues, I'm, I won't be shocked. But, you know, I'll throw my money down at their relievers. Well, Kevin, the last question I have for you, and, and I appreciate it. This has been just awesome. Uh, I've lived in the Quad Cities, and then I've also lived just outside of Springfield now, where I've gotten actually the first opportunity to see some of these guys a guy for me that I've kind of been watching, hopefully he's actually going to go somewhere, and that's the reason I asked you about the Midwest League. Give me your thoughts real quick on Trevor Rosenthal. Did you get a chance to see him pitch at all? I have. I have seen Trevor Rosenthal pitch. I like him. I don't adore him as much. as I don't like him as much as his numbers. Yeah. Um, I saw Trevor Rosenthal pitch once. It was his, I believe, his second or third start of the year. It was probably his second. It was, it was mid-April. Um, it was here at King County. Uh, I like him. I don't adore him. I, I think he's more, you know, he's a situation where his ability to to locate his pitches and his ability to mix his pitches are much better than the pitches themselves. And that kind of combination can lead to some uh, some overstated numbers in a place like the Midwest League, which is still obviously a very low level. I like him plenty. I, you know, he's basically, he was, I was quite surprised at how much I liked him. Uh, but he's a guy who I think is, you know, I've gotten a lot of questions from Cardinals fans. Like, hey, what about this Trevor Rosenthal guy? Is this guy, can this can he be a number two? No. No. Um, but I do, you know what the funny thing is, is if you, you know, let's say I, I was not the Cardinals and I was with some other team and I was talking with the Cardinals about a trade. Um, I'd still want Joe Kelly or, or Swaggerty before I took Trevor Rosenthal. But you know what? I'd still bet on Rosenthal having a better chance of being a back-of-the-rotation starter. Does that make sense? No, that actually makes perfect sense. Okay. You know, teams looking at trades are looking for guys that maybe have that pedigree as a closer. And big-time college closers like Swaggerty and then to some extent, you know, the program Kelly came out of. That helps, I think, at trade time to other, you know, whereas Rosenthal, you're looking kind of what we talked about you just kind of get one of them sleepers maybe he's in the middle yeah we're in the situation where like you know kelly and swaggerty actually have better stuff you know kelly and swaggerty are going to, to look more impressive on a radar gun uh they have a little more christmas uh, at least swaggerty does more christmas to his breaking ball but rosenthal's a better pitcher than either of them you know and he's and, and younger and so i mean rosenthal's i think 20 years old he's a better pitcher than either of those guys, but they have better stuff. And so, I mean, I would, like I said, I would rather have those two, but I, I liked, I was surprised by what I saw in Rosenthal and, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and, um, you know, and I'll see more of these quad city. Guys. I'm going to be in the quad cities on Tuesday. Enjoy modern Woodman park down there. It's, I will. I always miss John O'Donnell. That's just the way I, that's what I grew up with. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the all-star game is there on Tuesday. I, I look forward to reading about, uh, who you're, who you're going with for some uh, 
picks out of the Midwest League. Though. <laughs> but no, it's going to be. I actually like Quad Cities. I, I I like that park. It's a good time. It just so happens I just got done listening to the uh, latest episode of the Up and In podcast. Oh well, let me apologize up front. Whatever we said. <laughs> We record very late at night. We're often drinking. Well, it was the episode with Juan from Monterey. So, oh, Juan was, was outstanding. Yeah, Juan was, it was. Uh, it was, as you said, uh, it was a great episode, but a little different than others. It was, yeah, you know, it was, yes, it was, it was certainly kind of the darkest of our, our listener segment. We have goofy listener segments. We have like, <laughs> you know, a top-rated Scrabble player and an FBI agent and a guy who makes hawk traps, and then. You know, Juan wrote us this email, and he's in Monterey, and we're like, I want to talk to Juan about living in Monterey, because that's messed up there. Yeah. And, and um, he was really outstanding. And I realized it didn't, it didn't necessarily fit in with, with how the show normally goes, but I, I still thought it was really good, and so we kept yeah, it. Yeah, definitely some value. Um, I'm glad you liked it, because I, I, there was some nervous about, you know, putting it in. <laughs> just because it, it was, just, it, I mean, it wasn't funny. No. It was about, it was about people dying, you right. know? right. Um, Kevin's been very gracious with his time and, and we appreciate that as, as usual, Josh and I plan for 20 or 30 minute segments and I think we're running on about 40 minutes here. So, um, and you wonder why my show is always two and a half hours. <laughs> Maybe we should stop putting those restraints on ourselves. You and, should. So by all means, if you have to go tell me to shut up, but if, if you've got five or 10 more minutes, I've got two more <laughs> things that I want to ask you about. Okay, let's do it. Two more things. I'm ready. All right. The Cardinals hosted a really great event in April where they hosted a bunch of bloggers, and we actually had a chance to sit down and talk to uh, John Mozeliak. And although I claim not to be a huge minor league guy, my question for him, uh, what I asked him was, the Cardinals have been getting a lot more active in the international uh, minor league arena, if you will. Uh, Carlos Martinez, obviously, is kind of a big deal. They had Wagner Mateo recently that wound up not working out with the whole physical sure. and whatever. Seemingly an increasing area of focus for them. And I asked uh, Mo if I if he thought that that was a place. You call him Mo now? You guys that you guys that that close? Everybody calls him Mo. It's oh, okay. not like it's not like I'm calling him up on the weekends, but. Anyway, Mo, what's up? <laughs> so I we can't spell Mosaic. So, so we go. Uh, also a good point. So, yeah. I, so I asked Mr. General Manager Mosaic uh, if uh, <laughs> if that's something they see as a market inefficiency. You know, there was Moneyball and, and Billy Bean was a genius. And blah blah blah. <laughs> and so now is is international signings the way to go? And he, he kind of turned it around on me, turned it on its ear a little bit, and he says he thinks they've actually been late to it, and that these guys sure. are costing them more money. Than right. they might have five years ago. So, uh, do you agree with that? And and what's the next big market inefficiency that you see? Uh, he's totally right about that. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, the 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 bonuses for international players have just exploded in the last really three or four years. And you know, there was a time there was probably about a, a five or six year run earlier in 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 this decade. I guess early in the two thousands. Now that we're in another decade, but where you know, you could always figure out who the top pitching prospect was and the top hitting prospect in Latin America was. And those very top guys, maybe one or two of the top guys would get a million dollars. A million dollars gets thrown around there left and right now. Now the top players get two, three, four million dollars. And, uh, you know, look, Carlos Martinez got 
you know, one five, and he wasn't even seen as, as the best guy out there. A million five would have been the be- biggest number for a pitcher uh, all year for like the six or seven years before that, but it was just another number. And then the, the, the money there's gone nuts there because it was a marketing efficiency. And it's still a marketing efficiency, just like the draft is still a marketing efficiency because these numbers are stupid. They're, they're, they're tiny numbers. And, you know, people get worked up about giving some kids $600,000. $600,000 is pocket change in the world of a baseball economy. Um, and so those are still marketing efficiencies. And the other one is the one everyone's looking for. And that is where is the next really hot spot for talent that's not Latin America? And is that going to be Asia? Is that going to be Europe? Is it going to be africa or india where we're starting to see some 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 real growth in baseball and baseball interest there um and not by accident you know major league baseball understands that there are billions of people there and wants them interested in the sport and wants them playing the sport because it's good for the sport um you know i know a guy who thinks who's convinced uh, that in the you know in the next 10 20 years we will have a yao ming situation in baseball where there will be some 18 year old six foot seven kid from china who throws 102 miles an hour um and so that's the new, the next marketing efficiency as far as player procurement is the one everyone's looking for right now. But the draft in the international market, as crazy as these numbers seem, are still cheap, and they're still bargains. And but people are, are still looking for for the next big thing. And and you know there are teams that are very aggressive in that. You know there are teams that wait for it, and there are teams that try to find it, like the Twins, who are you know their Twins are signing kids out of France, you know. And and where that's going to be, it, it's hard to say. But people are sure looking for it. All right, one last thing then, and, and we've already discussed a little bit. Uh, you were so kind to me when we were at Kane County and watching that game. Um, and I know you've talked a little bit about it on your show, and, and for those listening, if you don't already listen to the Up and In podcast from uh, Baseball Prospectus, which is uh, Kevin and Jason Parks, um, I highly recommend it if you've got half a day. Um <laughs> <laughs> in all seriousness, it's a really great show. I listen to it every time it comes out. Um, I appreciate that. Real quickly, for for somebody who's going to watch a minor league game and is interested in doing more than just sitting there keeping score and watching some of these guys who are coming up through the system and, and how can you project someone that's going to be a big league player? Give us like a 30-second, 90-second primer on... on scouting a guy i know that's real easy to do right can i get 30 or 90 minutes <laughs> well yeah let, let me see what i remember from your show bring a stopwatch oh yeah absolutely always have you know i have one with you at all times really i bring them to the supermarket you always have one with you you really you never know when you're going to need one or whether you, here's my it's right here see there it is always <laughs> Have one with you. So uh, bring it, that's very important. Bring a stopwatch. Uh, sit somewhere where you can peek a gun. Absolutely. So get behind home plate, and you will be either uh, you can see a scout's gun, or you can see the kids tracking the pitcher's gun. Very important. You have to be able to peek a gun, or buy a radar gun. You know, you do that. <laughs> or Everyone's buy a radar everyone, gun. Right. Everyone who's in a prospect's got a thousand bucks sitting around, right? <laughs> I think Josh does. Yeah, Josh is a rich guy. Railroaders don't make that much money. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we've used up more than uh, more of Kevin's time than we told him we were going to. And, and Kevin, we can't thank you enough. We certainly appreciate it. Um, 
if I can borrow your line, Kevin has been joining us from his palatial estate. Uh, it is. I have no doubts. We've been joined by Kevin Goldstein from BaseballProspectus.com. Kevin, uh, we've had a great time. Thanks for your time uh, with us. And uh, if it's all the same to you, maybe we'll try and catch up uh, later in the year after the international signings are done. It's all the same to me. Wonderful. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us through the break. Uh, you know, Josh, Kevin Goldstein, I mean, what a great dude. Spent a, a good amount of time with us and, and obviously really insightful stuff about the Cardinals organization and, and love talking with him. Gives you a lot to think about. He uh, that, that was by far one of the best interviews I've ever done. In keeping with the minor league slash developmental theme. Uh, Josh and I thought that rather than lament the current losing streak of the club or, or members we may wish to be banished from it, uh, we thought we'd do a quick rundown of the baby birds that have been called up this year. Uh, there have been a, quite a few because of injuries, and so we're just going to kind of go name by name and, and talk about these guys. Some of them obviously will, will require a little bit more discussion than others, but uh, um, Josh, why don't we start with the guy who uh, didn't start the season with the big club, um, but has certainly been a huge, huge factor in it, or, or one of at least, uh, from Fernando Salas. Old Fern. He's, uh, you know, uh, we talked before, Nick. He was probably the last the last guy cut. And I think even um, we were, I, you brought up uh, the little question and answer we had with the general manager, and I believe that was even brought up as well, that Salas was pretty much right there. And I don't think it was a big surprise after last year's Memphis to St. Louis multiple round trips that he was called up. I just don't think anybody expected him in the closer role and solidifying that spot. You know, the, the hot potato that was the ninth inning for the Cardinals that that's not even a, that's not even on the radar anymore. So Salas has definitely earned his, I don't know his, his ticket to no longer be on the the Memphis Express. <laughs> that's a that's a good way of putting it. Um, we'll go from Salas right into another guy who has seemingly cemented his spot in the bullpen, uh, perhaps unexpectedly or, or just a heck of a lot sooner than anyone expected. Eduardo Sanchez. Yeah, he. You know, I. 
when I got to see him pitch at Double A, and you you heard about what he was bringing to the table with his repertoire, you thought, well, you know, how many right-handed pitchers that are not as tall, I guess, is the let's just call it uh, Pedro-like, you know, because that's everybody wanted to kind of give him that that title, if you will. And, and he started off just unbelievable. So we knew he had to fall off a little bit. Unfortunately, now with the news that he's injured, you don't know exactly what that's going to entail. But definitely a guy that opened up a lot of eyes, and I, I don't expect any uh, anything else but a, a long-term career right there next to Salas in the bullpen. Is that what you're – give me your take on, on Sanchez because I know when we talked, we were, I, I guess, more shocked than anything else that it, more clubs didn't have either any video of this guy or he – I mean, because it – Well, I mean, I think, he's, I think he's just got filthy stuff. Yeah, that's – that always helps. You know, I, I, I'm sure that – Clubs have video of him. If they didn't before, they certainly do now. Um, but there's a big difference in watching those sliders on video and, and trying to hit them. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he's still got some growing up to do. I, I don't care much for the... I know he's just a, an emotional and, and competitive guy, and this isn't singular to him across the league, but... I could do without the fist pumping and dancing around after he gets strikeouts, but I'm with you. You know, whatever. He's a he's a 22 year old kid. He's got a really bright future ahead of him. I'm really excited that it's with the Cardinals. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's he's not going anywhere. <laughs> let's uh, let's cross a couple of names off the list because. We can mention them, and, and if you've got anything in particular to add, we can certainly give them a couple of seconds. But uh, guys who just had a quick cup of coffee, uh, Michael Clayto uh, obviously was seemed a little overwhelmed coming up straight from Springfield and, and being placed into uh, the hot lights of Major League Baseball. Uh, you can see you can see what they liked about. Oh, him sure, he's they, got a big. Again, he's got a big, big arm, and uh, yeah. and I think that with some some appropriate coaching and, and moving him up steadily through the system, I think he's going to be a valuable guy. I just I think uh, and the quick demotion I think backs this up. I think they were they needed an arm. He was a guy who could provide him some innings. He had been exciting some people, but well, the fact that he was on the forty-man roster made no and doubt he was healthy. No doubt <laughs> on the forty-man <laughs> and healthy, but certainly <laughs> certainly ahead of quote unquote his time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, Tony Cruz has been around uh, since Laird has been hurt, and. Uh, you know, it sounds like an awful thing to say, but in this case, it's really a compliment uh, to Cruz. Nobody's expecting him to really hit 
folks are expecting mm-hmm. him to be serviceable behind the plate, and, and to my knowledge, he hasn't embarrassed himself back there. So kudos to him for uh, for again. This sounds awful. You don't want to talk about a backup catcher, and nobody's really talked. No. So I, I think that's I think that's a good thing. That helped. Uh, it was nice, and if you want to tie him in with Lance Lynn a little bit. Yep, I think it helped. It helped having oh sure Cruz to throw to sure some consistency, and, you know. And the other thing I forgot is that Cruz isn't just—he's another one of those Tony type guys that can kind of play all over the place. Yep, yep, he's played third base. So, you know, and, and anybody—I'm sorry—anybody that can come up and have a couple of multi-hit games, mm-hmm. you know, within the first week. Yeah, I say nobody's I, and, expecting him to hit. I mean, he's, I mean, he has. He's. He's got, you know, he's got some hits. He's scored a couple runs, and and of course he he hasn't gotten a whole lot of opportunity to play after that first week. Yeah, well, that you know, with that'll happen with we, Yachty behind the plate. Yeah, it, we've come to expect that. So even it, it's not like Laird was playing that much, but it is nice to see that maybe, you know, as we talked about with Kevin, uh, the demise of Brian Anderson can only help guys like Tony Cruz. Sure, sure. Uh, you brought up Lance Lynn, a guy who, you know, arguably two pretty solid starts. One where he gets the win and and would be widely considered a solid start. The first start that he made, kind of done in a little bit by the defense. And and we talked a little bit about Lynn on the last episode. I think that uh, I I'm excited about his future. Not that he's going to be a top of the rotation kind of guy, but as I've mentioned on several occasions, if Lance Lynn can be a good Jeff Supon and pitch 200 innings a year, he's going to be really valuable to this club. And he would have pitched more than five innings his last start, save for the fact that I was very happy to see that Tony lifted him for a pinch hitter with the bases loaded. Indeed. You know, because that's, uh, that's just, even for a rookie, with the way that the bullpen can fluctuate usually that was always you you get mad when you'd see it you could kind of understand where he's getting from but he wouldn't tony would normally have the pitcher stay in there in that situation and i'm glad that it you know not because i wanted to see lance lynn come out he was having a great great start Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's the the last we'll see of lance lynn this year for sure no doubt and the last four names on my list these guys Strangely, Mark Hamilton is the one that has been around the most out of the bunch. Um, thankfully, the other three, Matt Carpenter, Pete Cosma, and Andrew Brown, all went back to Memphis with uh, game balls from their first big league hit, but not a lot to say about the four of them. You know, Hamilton is is around as a left-handed bat to pinch hit and and spell Pujols when he goes to play third or whatever the case may be. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other three guys were filling in for injury. You know, Matt Carpenter was the darling coming out of spring. Um, I'm still, I I still like the kid. I'm still high on him. He's still got some work to be done. I I think that was proven in the at-bats that he had at the bigs. Um, You know, anything about those four guys stick out to you? Uh, just uh, unless, uh, unless I'm missing something, I don't think, and that's what I was curious about 
they put Sanchez on the DL. Brown's still with the club. For how long, I don't know. Uh, no, I think the move. I th- I thought Brown got sent back down. Oh, maybe not. They just swapped out Holiday and uh, Sanchez. And Sanchez. I think so. Yeah, well, my mistake. No, I, I, you know, but Brown is another guy. In any too. case, I, in any case, it, if the rumors about David Freeze coming back within a week or two are true, then uh, exactly. then Brown's not long for this club. No, not to mention, no. uh, you know, gosh, there's a lot of guys for this team to get healthy, huh? Nick Punto. Oh, well, I, I bring up the death chart, and when you bring up the death chart, the disabled list is so long that they only have half of Wainwright's name shown. Because <laughs> they're out of room on the the MLB site with Laird and, and Freese. And now hearing that Craig's going to be out longer, too, that was, uh, you know, a much bigger blow than uh, hopefully just a little, you know, a little a miscue out in the outfield. So, Yeah, how do you miss a fractured patella? Oh, man. Well, at least they – I don't know. I, I can't honestly answer that, but the good thing is somebody did catch it now as opposed Yeesh. to, you know, in 15 days and or maybe even after the All-Star break and you're talking the middle middle of July and, hey, you know, where's Alan Craig? He's not back yet. There, there, there was a very reasonable chance that if they wouldn't have caught it, we might not have seen Alan Craig again this year. I would take missing him for the next six weeks. That's intense. And then bringing him back for the last two months of the year—that'll be like adding. That'll be like trading for a guy. That's that. There's your pickup <laughs> at the end of end of July, early August, if he's back and healthy, because that's a guy that not only does that bat play all over the place, but that's. Uh, you know, he's another one of those glue guys. Now, the interesting thing, you brought up Punto's name. What do the Cardinals do when he comes back? Uh, in terms of who goes out? or, or Yeah, as far as the play? roster. Well, I, I know he's going to play kind of all over the place. but Well, um, let's, let's look at the roster here. So, Holiday comes back, and Sanchez goes on the DL. So, 12 pitchers, yep. 5 outfielders right now. Uh, Punto comes back. I, I gotta think Brown goes out. They'll just stick with four outfielders and Schumacher. True, but then who goes out when Freeze comes back? Hamilton. Ooh, good call. Okay, I wasn't looking at our extra extra backup. Okay, yeah, I was I was just getting a little worried because then after that. The, the the pickings get kind of slim. I mean, it's it's not a you don't want to have Alan Craig on the DL, but when you bring all the guys back, then you're looking at what Tyler Green, Descalso. Uh, the options aren't real good after that. Is no, too- I think uh, all things all things being equal, if if they eventually got everyone healthy at the same time, and you're talking about bringing Craig back. If Brown's already out in favor of Punto, Hamilton leaves when Freeze comes back, or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Yep. Uh, obviously, Cruz is a straight-up swap out for Laird. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then Craig comes back. That's when you really get to the point where you have to look. Um, right now, I think my vote would be for Green. Who's your backup shortstop then? Punto. Okay. I could, I could buy that for a dollar. That's about all it'd cost you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how much I want him playing shortstop, but then again, too, I don't know how much of a drop off defensively. Well, it's it would be. It's not. It's going to be an improvement defensively. Even at shortstop, I didn't realize. Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought he was majority of his time was at second and third base for the. Oh, game. that'll be an improvement defensively. <laughs> yep, for sure. But you got to have his bat. The bat plays. Yeah. <laughs> who's ba- come on? You're Wait, the- who's bat? <laughs> Oh, you switched gears on me. I thought you were still talking about Punto. Punto's Punto's glove plays. The bat uh, is... uh, We'll take what we can get. (laughs) Uh, That's why you hide him somewhere. Indeed. Okay. Well, my man, I I think... uh, Great episode. I'm excited about it. Uh, It's... uh, We're we're raising the bar for uh, 5.0 here. Well, yeah, I mean... We're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to outdo Goldstein on 5.0 because you and I certainly certainly aren't gonna be able to carry it to uh, uh, higher heights. Well, I have to start seeing why. I think we need to uh, start bribing some players to get on the show. Careful now, careful now. Okay, all right. The budget. I forgot we 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 used all the we used the whole budget. When we got together in Chicago, so there's no money for that. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. With that, we'll put the uh, official wraps on episode 4.0. Our guest for this episode has been Kevin Goldstein of BaseballProspectus.com. Uh, I know Kevin also has uh, content at ESPN.com, so check him out. Also, if you get an opportunity, I, I know I was joking earlier about taking uh taking a certain period of time and, and they do run about two hours or so on average but if you can listen to the up and in podcast uh kevin goldstein and jason parks from baseball prospectus two guys who really really know their stuff and, and they have a lot of fun doing that i have a lot of fun listening to it um our musical guest once again has been star off machine josh what do you think today we'll direct them to uh myspace myspace.com slash star off machine you can listen to their tunes there uh give us some feedback let us know what you think uh about anything about the show about star off machine uh about our guests you can email us podcast at pitchers if you have questions let us know josh and i will answer it to the uh best of our ability which may not be saying much um we try we try Thanks for listening. We had a blast recording this episode. Uh, thanks again to Kevin Goldstein over and above uh, with what we asked of him, and, and he was very generous with his time. Um, Josh, anything to add? Don't forget, uh, we're on iTunes. So iTunes. Any of your mobile devices, if you don't have time to listen from the site, Head over to iTunes. You can also find uh, Stofma over there. Yeah, you know, 
if you go to pitchers at 8.com and uh, bring up the category podcast, you can find this and all the back episodes. You can listen to them right there on the site. You can download them in MP3 format. Or like Josh said, you can go to iTunes. If you search for Pitchers Hit 8th on iTunes, you will certainly find us. Uh, once again, email us, podcast at pitchershit8th.com. Listen to us, visit the site, read our uh, our writing there, pitchershit8th.com. I'm Nick. He's Josh. Uh, thanks for listening. Josh, we'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to it.
this innocence goodbye I've lost my 